Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Well, good morning and welcome to this week's broadcast of the Jesus and Paula Show starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. I'll tell you what, these are some interesting times that we are in and you want to be tuned into the on-time, in-time Word of God. It's one thing to hear somebody speaking who's on time, but it's another thing to listen to somebody who is in God's timing. And so today, again, as we say at the beginning of every show, I don't know where we're going to go, but it's going to be limitless. We're going to go all the way in with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just to kick off with a few updates and announcements on what we're doing, we're rolling out something new. And so I want to make sure that you are on our mailing list. This uh, starting today, every Thursday, well, you know, by the end of the workday, we will have rolled out a follow-up email. That email is going to have a link for you to watch, actually the video for you to watch today's broadcast, if you missed it, from YouTube, as well as uh, re, um, posting what the discount is, what the sale is, when it expires, and a link to access that information. For example, right now, it's 10% off of Prayer Advisement Services, and the link will be right there in the email. I know Rachel's going to put it up on the screen, but it will be right there in the email for you to click. We're going to have access for you to visit our Congregation of the Mighty Church website, Price University's website, the Assessments website, our e-store website. You see, we are a conglomerate. This is why it is Paula Price Enterprises. It's an enterprise around here, and so that's going to be up, as you can see, on your screen. Book your prayer advisement today. And you can go whenever you go to propheticed.com slash, uh, I think it says prayer advisement, um, or something like that, uh, you'll be able to see the different services that we offer under prayer. And then the advisors are under that who offers that prayer. There's about six or seven of us that will pray for you on the call. And so you can go visit that today. But that will be in the follow-up email. You'll be able to listen to the Millennial Exchange, which is a new broadcast Dr. Price has rolled out. It will be once a month connecting live with millennials. Now, we had the Millennial Plus crowd also show up. We're just going to call them the Millennial Plus. These are people and pre the pre-lennials, the millennials, and the post-lennials. All right? We're all in the room, but it was mostly millennials that was there. It's also on Clubhouse. So if you are not here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, then you can um, connect with Dr. Price on Clubhouse. And I'm going to see to it that she is Clubhousing other random wisdom things that just roll out of her mouth. I mean, she's sitting around at the lunch table, and wisdom is pouring out. You know what? Let's let's go live on Clubhouse and share this with the world. We shouldn't keep this to ourselves. She's sitting in the cafe sometimes just talking and having those table talk moments here at, at um, the embassy location, and, and we're going to start Clubhousing those because, hey, 
We don't have to wait until a scheduled event to go live with wisdom. Speaking of wisdom, she was also published on the front page, uh, homepage, I guess, you know, newspapers, you say front page, websites, it's homepage of the Christian Post this week. Yes, for her article about, yes, come on and give God a praise. Yes. Is suicide okay for Christians? That is, that was the question uh, that was brought up. Is suicide okay for Christians? And it just breaks down very succinctly her response. ChristianPost.com right there on the homepage. Charisma Magazine has also picked up the article, and it will be going live with them toward the end of the month. And so she'll get circulation <coughs> excuse me, in the charisma world as well. Apostles are... Soul healers, soul deliverers. This is why Dr. Price is the solutionist, and she is the original solutionist dealing with the soul of man. If you're under an apostle who is not dealing with the soul, and I'm not just talking about lambasting people into the ground because anybody can do that. You really don't need to be an apostle to do that. But people who are restoring the souls, uh, the soul curers, they cure the soul. That's what apostleship is all about. So while we're here, one of the things that it's all about, so while people are slinging mud about this and throwing dirt about that, what are you doing to repair people's souls? I don't respect you if your primary purpose is to assassinate other people who are doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't have respect for people who just sit around and their favorite pastime is annihilating other people who are doing the work of Jesus Christ. I really don't, because those people are the accuser. You're the accusers of the brethren. You're the one. So you're in Scripture, too. You're there. You're named as the accuser. I'm looking at the people who are doing something to make impact for the Lord Jesus Christ, the way he said to do it, not just somebody with a church who says they're helping people, because we have that, too, and, and, and what is that all about? And so she's on that front cover of the Christian Post. Uh, props, props, props to Dr. Paula Price for that. Speaking of the soul, this Sunday is Let's Talk Soul Sunday. Heretofore, it has only been local in the Congregation of the Mighty, open to those who are here. Beginning this Sunday, Dr. Price is opening up the invitation for you. Thank you for showing that to register online. You can watch online through Facebook registration or through Zoom. And so you can visit drpaulaprice.com and hover over events. The drop-down there will say Soul Sunday, and you can register right there from her website. If you're on Facebook, you can go to the Soul Sunday event page on Facebook and register yourself to be there. You don't want to miss it. You'll see there is a price for this because, hey, the clinic, the Soul Clinic is open. The Soul Clinic is open dealing with the specialized nature of the soul. What does it take to cure the soul? What does it take to uh, restore somebody's soul? Well, let's think about restore and what restore means. Um, restoring a building. If you have ever had flooding or fire damage or something like that, there's a restoration company. There are companies that are designed specifically for restoration. They come in, they assess the damage, they immediately go to work because they understand, especially if it's water damage, and I'll just use water damage because, bless God, we've had enough of it here in this building. 
If it's water damage, you want to get that water up as quickly as possible. It's sinking into the floor. It's absorbing into the walls. It's climbing up into the furniture. It's doing all of these things that fresh water is fantastic and amazing. Stale water is a breeding ground of disease, mold, and infection. I think there's a sermon in that somewhere. (laughs) I feel like a word coming on, okay? (laughs) And so when water sits there, it turns from, and, and displaced water. Water is great in your building when it's in the pipes, in the toilet, out of the toilet, out of the sink, out of the water fountain. Water is not a blessing when it's coming through your roof. It's not a blessing when it's coming under the wall. Why are you coming out under the wall? We had this, we had a nasty storm here Saturday morning. Nasty. And I tell you what, I was sent pictures from a building maintenance man of all of this water that had come in under one of the doors in our grand ballroom. Had to go get some equipment. We just had to buy it, have it in the building, and vac that water out. Get out now. We just got 80,000 gallons of that water out, 8,000, okay, out from earlier this year. And so water displaced and then sitting there now becomes a risk and a contaminant. And so the restoration company comes and first they vacuum out the water. When we had the flood downstairs from the freeze, 8,000 gallons of water all night, literally took them all night to pull that water out and run it somewhere else down the street and then they have to dry everything so you have to have blowers and they have to cut open the walls depending on the types of walls that you have and the blowers have to blow until it is thoroughly thoroughly dry which takes days that water could have been sitting on the ground for 10 minutes one hour two hours and take 10 days 14 days to thoroughly dry you have to come in They have to check it, rip up carpeting, rip out walls, expose plumbing, have to cut electricity so you don't, you know, electrify yourself, burn the, then start a fire from the flood. (laughs) And so the restoration company has to come in and do all of those things before you can begin to talk about renovate. Then they come back day after day. We have to check. We had another water situation because we're in an older building, so there was older pipe issues. And and, uh, when we had to tear up one floor, we found another floor underneath, which is not uncommon in laying down floors over the years, depending on the era and the period as well. Well, everything stopped production because they had to see if asbestos was in the floor because of the period in which it was laid down. Now, it wasn't. There was none in the building. Everything was clear. But the restoration, we had to stop everything for inspection. And do you hear what I'm saying? In the restoration process, first you're stopping the problem. Then you're removing it out of the area. And then you're drying. You're testing, constantly testing to see if the problem is still there or if it just looks like it's gone. Because what happens is, if if you're like, oh, yeah, this is dry, this is fine, and then you seal off the wall, guess what happens? Mold. And don't let it be black mold. Because then you are really, really done. And so a lot of us, God has, he is in the restoration process. We just want the renovate. Just lay over some new wall. Just put over a new aesthetic Just lay down a new floor over this so we don't have to think about it. And sometimes you can get away with that. 
But the caveat is, as long as this isn't broken later, and then it will expose the whole problem, and it will be much worse. And that's the deliverance process. We want somebody to just vacuum out the water, a.k.a. lay hands on, cast the problem out, and then just lay something new down. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Deliverance is a process. That's why with 3D, our 3D series, we say that it's a journey. You are progressing toward deliverance and walking it out and constantly walking it out. Anybody who's been delivered from any kind of addiction, whether it is substance or it is emotional or it is whatever, if God delivers you from the spirit of rage, you can't ever play with that devil of rage again, ever. So it doesn't have to be just something that you're snorting up your nose or knocking down your throat. It can be all just within and invisible and whatever. And so when he's going in and clearing out, we just want him to just lay hands. Just, I just need you to, Dr. Price, I need you. I can't even tell you how many times she's heard that. I need you to lay hands on me. I appreciate your staff. I know they're anointed. I know you trust them. But I need you to do it because I know if you do it, sorry, Prophet Angela, you're just okay. If I need you to do it, <laughs> and then I know if you lay hands on me, it's going to be great. Now, there's a lot to be said for the top expert in their field to actually handle your problem. We all should desire for the best, but you have to pay a price for the best. People want to run up on the top expert and, and with nothing. Well, you just need to help me because my situation is dire. So are all the people in front of you in line. And so we, we, we want to run up on deliverance. We want the person with the most power. And, hey, there's no denying the woman of God's power, so I'm not even knocking that. It's the truth. But... The follow-up still has to happen. You can get the most powerful vac, pull out all the water. You still have to let it dry. And then you have to examine, and you have to explore. I can't tell you how many times our guy came to me. Okay, so we found something else. Uh, well, we the, right now we're trying to solidify this whole thing, and it, there's still yet one more thing, to be compliant with inspection, see, not to be okay aesthetically, like it looks great to us. But when the inspector comes in and he says this sink is actually two inches too high for handicap compliance, you know what that means? We have to get a whole new unit to lower that thing to it. And see, most of us don't want to be that specific in God. We don't want to be that nano uh, examined to be used, and please don't be an apostle or prophet because the hand of scrutiny will be on you because the measure of power that comes with the office. We talked about office and gifting, and so there are things that come with the office. You can't be all over the place, and if you're showing that you're all over the place without the power, then it's going to, you know how you see when somebody in television, they have a gun that's too powerful for them, they shoot it, and it knocks them all over the place? Not only do they not hit the target, they hit the wall, they hit whatever, their shoulders blown out. See, that's God putting somebody into office prematurely. The power of the magnetism of that mantle can knock you off of your feet and you can blow away everybody in your path and say, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to destroy their lives. We know, but nobody should have put that weapon of the mantle in your hands to begin with. So this Sunday is Let's Talk Soul Sunday where Dr. Price digs deep. I feel like every Sunday is Soul Sunday in many ways, but specifically 
about the soul issues. We have hammered out consequences of decisions and your meditations and just how you got where you are, tracing back how you became bound, accepting your role in your bondage. I think that's one of the biggest pieces that people don't want to consider or think about is uh, how to, what is this saying? The prophetic word is up on the screen? Am I? That's very interesting. I don't know. I can see it on my screen. Anyway, moving on. Very odd. I see Prophet Tamira's <laughs> prophetic word in the broadcast. <laughs> and so uh, on, my, on my phone, am I the only one? I don't know. Am I the only one? I am the only one. That is so interesting. I'll have to go back out and come back in. Mm. There we go. All right. I don't know what peeped in or popped in. And so stagnant water can really be a problem and its after effects. Allow God to work it out. So register for Let's Talk Soul Sunday. Register for it and be online. It's from 4 4 to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Live is what we will be with you. Two hours that I guarantee you will change you in one way or another. It might, you might change your thoughts. You might change your ways. You might, for everybody, it's something different. But every single person, and that is not an exaggeration, that has walked away from a soul Sunday is like, I'm different. Whether you're thinking differently to live powerfully, that's one of our, that's our main motto. Or you have to go back and just think about some things. Because with deliverance, we always want people to be, to feel. Just feel. Just feel. I'm looking for a feeling. I'm looking for a feeling. I'm looking for a feeling. Our training programs are very academic because this is an academic office. You have to know line upon line, precept upon precept. You have to know that. And people are addicted to the sizzle. We just want the sizzle. We just want to jump out there. I just want to. We need to lay hands. We need to talk in tongues. We need to do that's like somebody in medical school saying, just give me the bodies. Just give me the people. I just want to jump into the surgery. I just like, hold on. Let's try you on a cadaver first. Somebody you can't kill because they're already gone. Can you cut in a straight line? Are you nicking other organs and arteries along the way? Are you nervous now that this thing is real and it's not in a book? Because, see, all that's exciting until you're standing in front of somebody and it's their life. Can you accurately diagnose? Can you? We need to put you through school to see what is your measure. Or do you have the measure to actually carry the office? Can you be a lawyer or are you a paralegal? Or are you the receptionist at the front door? Are you the secretary? Are you the executive administrator? Where do you fit within the field of what you're pursuing? Soul Sunday is going to help deliver your soul. We also have on the market our dunamite drills. Yes. If you've been tuning into Sundays and also you want to sign up for our sign up for our mailing list because on Monday we'll be sending out a follow-up email about Sunday special deals, sales that we have going on, what you missed from service and why you want to get caught up and tune into Sunday school and Sunday service. So we'll have links for both cuz the hammer. All right, the slayer. The Sunday School Slayer, a.k.a. Assistant Chief Prophet Angela Powers. All right. And so we have our Dunamite Drills, which we'll be marketing forever, where you can have your drills. I was in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's who you are. I am born of the seed of Christ. Now, this is an older version. Dr. Price got her hands in it, and now there are 30 drills, 31 drills. 
One for every day of the month, double up at the end if there's only 30 days. Okay? And so, as he is, so are we in this world. I am the priest of the sovereign God. I am the sovereign elect of God. These are for you. These are things for you to decree over your life every single day. No, they are not free. Yes, they are economical. How much are they right now? Twelve ninety nine. It's such a steal. I didn't set that price. I'm gonna tell you that right now. So this is a limited time only. The first couple weeks, it's gonna be twelve ninety nine. Then it's gonna go up to nineteen ninety nine because that's that's appropriate. It's, you know, hard cover. It, it'll survive anything. We talked to our teenagers last night. I told them, look, you need to do some extra chores in your house. You need to barter and trade with your parents. You need to negotiate and help around or help, help, help and earn so that somebody can buy you your drills, carry them with you because teenagers all have book bags. It's wonderful. And you can carry them in your book bag and we'll go through them in youth group as well because we need to raise up our generation, our young people, to be dunamites. <clears throat> so by the time they're our age, they've already worked so many things out. Hallelujah. Whew. Be transformed by the renewing of your spirit. I'm telling you what, the renewing of your mind, the renewing of your soul, just the renewing of your life. is it, And it takes work. I know in the former dispensation, it's been about a feeling. I just want to, again, somebody lay hands on me. I want to receive. I've come to receive, but not to do the work. You have to do the work to be transformed, to be renewed. Going back to our uh, analogy with the restoration company, it's work to do restoration and renovations. You get dirty, things are torn up, depending on what you're doing. Like if it's houses, usually people have to leave their home, check into a hotel or somewhere else so the renovation company can come in and just knock everything out at once, descend upon it, and get it done. Once you open something up, I think this is the thing that everybody holds their breath on in renovation and restoration. You open up a wall and you're like, oh, boy. Or they go down into the floor and they realize that the joists that were there to hold the building up have been cut. And nobody understands how the building didn't collapse. And see, that's soul work. That's soul restoration. You think you're going in to get prayer, don't you? You're going in to get prayer for forgiveness. (laughs) I just need to forgive. I need to forgive or whatever. Very few people are even honest enough to say they need to forgive, but that's fine. And so I need to forgive. I need to let this go. And God begins to work on you, and it's like a whole pussy-filled sore pops and just oozes. And your soul starts your soul starts oozing all over the place. And you find out that the need for forgiveness was the cover story. That was the obvious. You know how you go and you're like, doctor, uh, my, my foot is hurting. I think I sprained my ankle. I need you to take a look. And they take a look. They're like, actually, there's something else going on here that we need to work on in order what you thought was just to fix a misalignment might be something a little deeper, maybe more serious, maybe not. Sometimes it's just not what you think. Like typically the point of your pain is not the source of your pain in your body. I think we'll say that again. <laughs> the point of your pain is not the, usually not the source of your pain. When I went to a chiropractor and, and another uh, person and I said, I'm having this issue in my shoulder, but the issue actually wasn't in my shoulder. It was somewhere else that was affecting my shoulder. She goes, okay, well, I'm going to work this over here. And I was like, really, boy? She started hitting those pressure points, and I could feel the knots loosening up. And I was 
making some noise about it, but that's fine. Yeah, it's like, oh, she said, this is going to be some good pain. You're going to be mad with me today, but you're going to thank me tomorrow. And she did not mislead me and had to work and work all of these other areas around my shoulder. I was thinking I'd have to see a specialist. I'm like, what is really going on? It's been months having hardly any mobility. I can't do whatever. Mm -mm. It's all of these other areas. And many times when it comes to deliverance, which is why I love Soul Sunday, you think the issue is one thing or one person, usually, and it's a whole other situation that has created a network that we now call triggers. Now everything is triggering somebody. That's a trigger. That's a trigger. That's a trigger. Talking about buzzwords and trigger words. Trigger is a trigger word. Oh, you're just triggering me. Okay, wait a minute now. (laughs) That's how we really feel is so we need to avoid this one area because it just sets me off over here. Meanwhile, there's a whole other investigative process, which is why a specialist is often paid so much money, because they are schooled and trained to learn the pathology of your pain, not just the expression, but how, what's the pathology of this? And, and dealing in apostleship and with prophets, apostles and prophets, getting into the pathology of the soul, the pathology of redemption. That's what we're learning here on the broadcast is what, what is the pathology of, well, pretty much everything, which is why people say, wow, that's, that's deep, that's profound. That, mm-hmm. and, and it sounds so deep and profound, and it is, but there's so much shallow cotton candy doctrine that anything of substance is heavy. Anything of substance. When you listen to the messages that are preached by some of the largest ministries, let's just say in our country, I'm like, it's no wonder we're in trouble. Really, it's no wonder people can't be free. It's no wonder they can't define what makes them a Christian, what makes them the elect, what makes them saved. Are you saved? Are you redeemed? Are you sanctified? We have made everything, and Prophet C.T. on his broadcast, he'll say, I'm I'm, going to use a cuss word now. You know, we're going to talk about holiness. (laughs) We're going to talk, because in the body of Christ, we have profaned these words. And that's not what Jesus said at all. And we have it flipped upside down, mixed up backwards, which is why the church is flipped upside down, mixed up backwards. But I tell you what, there is a shift that has already started happening in the body of Christ. People are waking up last year and this year are a real wake-up call where people are provoked now. The saints are provoked. Hold on. Where is God? Where is he? Sitting in churches where leaders are mandating that you do mass, mandating that you do that. You can't come to church if you're not showing your papers. That's a real wake-up call for a lot of people because the other things were not. Because, see, that didn't hit that close to home. Well, you know, that's just, and, and that's okay, and, and that's whatever. But now we are right exactly at our front door, in your living room now, in the house, in the backyard. And the question is now, because before it was, well, where was God? But now we're asking, who's on the Lord's side? We're asking those other questions in Scripture. Who, who is on the Lord's side? Are you on the Lord's side? Are you really on the Lord's side? And it's not until we get into times like this that we actually find out who is on the Lord's side. He has a side. Because we teach, and, and a lot of doctrine teaches, I should say, that, hey, no matter what you do, he's still going to love you. 
No matter who you are, he's still going to love you. No matter what, you're still getting in. Now, I'm thinking, why did Jesus have to die? If it doesn't matter what we do, you're still getting in. But what was that all about? So is that the big joke? Is that the big farce? That, hey, Jesus, he will accept you. Don't listen to those judgmental uh, condemnation people. Don't listen to them. There is, listen, there is a price of admission to get in, into anything of value. The movies are going to charge you now. God only knows how much tickets are to see a movie. Talking about, well, I mean, it doesn't, I don't know why I should have to be charged for that. I don't know why there are stipulations. We have ratings on movies. Well, if you're of a certain age, you can't go in without an adult or you can't go in at all. Well, I mean, they don't. So there are restrictions and boundaries on everything under the sun that there's entrance, there's expiration dates, there's conditions on a coupon. Okay, but we think there should be no condition on our redemption. This coupon expires at the end of the month. If you come the day after, because I worked in retail for a hot second. Actually, for a couple of years, I worked in retail. And people would want to come in the day after the coupon expired and want you to still use it. Well, I had the the guy that – I wouldn't even talk about that. Yes, someone we knew a long, long time ago in a leadership position copying copying coupons that said, do not copy. You're supposed to be a man of God, copying and distributing and, oh, no, 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 that's okay. That's okay. And, the, and the store did take them. I mean, because they like <laughs> And so they want you to use the coupon the day after it expired. But here, here's the deal. The system locks out the coupon. The person can't override it. Sure. And see, we want, as ministers, we want to act, we want to act like that's her fault. I, I know I'm looking at you. We want to act like the minister has the authority to override the system, the kingdom of God. We we act like well, hey, I can, as long as I say it's okay, it's okay. But if I tried to enter that code, nothing would happen. Invalid, expired, uh, whatever. You can't use this because the system has kicked it out. out. So no matter if it was Dr. Price coming in, if it was anybody else, friends, family, sorry, guys, I can't help you because I've been overruled by a higher power. Higher power. That'd be Jesus. That'd be Jesus. Well, I am, uh, I'm having fun right now trying to figure out what I'm doing. Okay. So It's going to be a great show. Yeah. When you got to figure it out coming into it. Yes. Having, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what I am doing. I'm having a, there we go. I, um, we're going to have a really great time. I saw you do the dune. Can I see the dune of my hair? Uh, this is the original one. This isn't the. I'm, but have, this color shows up good on TV. Mm-hmm. I saw it. <laughs> I saw it. But, yeah, but now we have them 31 days, a drill per day. By the time you get through a month, you ought to be somewhat changed. Yeah, say it many times in a day. Yeah, m- many, many times. Say it over and over again. Say it in the mirror. and and everything. But these are going to be done, what, probably by next week, by the time we finish purging the purge, or this week. You tell me. I don't know. <clears throat> but I'm excited about these drills because we have got to change how we think and how we view yeah. <clears throat> the Lord's redemption. I like you've been talking about redemption. So I want to thank those of you. Now, I'm going to go really deep in the spirit to think you should call your friends. Surprise. Your, 
call your friends. I'm going to really go deep because I am I'm hot on this profit apology thing. Oh, see, I'm hot on that. Come I wrote on. an article, and I, I, I we're going to put it on my uh, site. The um, I got the short version and the long version, mm-hmm. so we'll kind of clean them up and put them on the site. You can download the articles about I will never any <laughs> be ar apologize for the word of the Lord. And the only prophets who will apologize are either those that are sold, bought and sold, bought and paid for, or those who are too young to know that God's word cannot return to him void. But it's your prospering thing where he's, now the fact that he says prosper mm-hmm. is important. That means process. Yeah. You know, so it's your prosper through the processes. That's good. That I ordained. So, but I realize we're stuck in this place simply because we have been taught wrongly about what the prophetic is. Devils have been teaching. And the naive and the gullible have been believing. Wow. But what if we go and back and revisit that? Talk about outside the box. This is a box we need to uh, uh, destroy. So I am going to tell you, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about divination. I'm talking about which. I'm talking about all of that stuff because I am a chief apostle, and that's what I'm supposed to do. Now, I realize that a lot of prophets think that they just, well, they really aren't prophets. They're prophesiers. And if you get my book, Assessing Your Prophetic Self, it will tell you the difference between a prophet and a prophesier because you need to know that. They are not the same. A prophesier is like a commercial. Yeah. They, you know, we interrupt this regular broadcast, too. But a prophesier is like a commercial. You need to understand that that is not what a prophet is. And if you go again, I don't know if we ever did it, Rachel. I know we were aiming for it, but with all that we throw on you, we surprise you here on Thursdays. <laughs> we really are. You know, I had you yesterday and today. So, but, yeah, you, you're holding fast, Rachel, holding fast. But I want us to start digging into the archives and getting those prophetic ed teachings that I did. Okay? I mean, trust me, you got the drills done, so you know you are forgiven. But but I want us to do that so that we can go back and and redo this. Because don't we have them with audio and uh, video? I'm sure that. Something. They were recorded. Okay. So I just want to pull the audio so we can talk about um, that. And then I was listening this morning on the way to the, I guess it's the embassy because I got more than one spot here. But on the, I, I was listening to August 19th, uh, the August 19th Jesus and Paula show, okay. starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price, because Jesus, who's Alpha and Omega, and who's everywhere, for the man that says that Jesus didn't show up, Jesus can't leave. He can't go anywhere. If you're going to be Alpha and Omega and omnipresent and omnipotent, I just think that the idiots should know. Well, I'm not talking about that person, but the people who think idiotically, idiotically thinkers should know. If, I'm, if, if a being said I'm omnipresent, that means I'm always there. Come on. I'm there in your mess, and they bless. See, I'm it. Okay, I'm a slap a claw. See, see, but when you strain at a gnat, okay, so... Jesus and Paula is important because Jesus is Alpha and Omega. That's why you know Jesus is not God to these people. Right. Because right. they're still thinking of him as a, a, a time-bound, time and space-bound mortal. Mm-hmm. And he is, I'm, he said, I dumped that body. I dumped that form. Mm-hmm. 
I don't have that form anymore. I now am back to the form I had, plus one. We are his plus one. <laughs> Godhead plus one. <laughs> the nation of Jesus Christ. I love this man. So I, that's why we're the Jesus and Paula show, because we're acknowledging the fact that Jesus shows up because he can't live. That's how come he can tell us what we did yesterday, last week, last month. I'm omnipresent. I'm omnipotent. I'm omniscient. Don't you like omniscient? I just, I'm the, I'm the omni-god. Just, just call me omni and I'll be all right because I am the omni-almighty. So and I like when uh, Apostle Hulk said, but the X means there's no, infinity means there's no end. You know, like this is it this many times that we count, but you're likely to find more. So Jesus is one of those likely to find more, like you do with the stars in the sky. You know, the sky, you start counting the stars, and you're like, oh, I counted 50. And that star go and get the rest of their family and say, ha-ha, you didn't know we were all here. But anyway, I would like you to um, go back and listen to August 19th, because I did an in-depth teaching on the anointing, on appetites and on the apothecary of an anointing, and I'm gonna we're gonna break it down in three things and prop the three segments and do other stuff. But go and catch that one on uh, Jesus and Paula, August 19th. You know because he is the man is the man is God. So, but today we're talking about because on the Jesus and Paula show, we are going to talk about. Are you switching with me, or do I switch? Am I controlling? Because, yes. you know, I love that. Me and the controller. <laughs> I love the controller. Oh, she controls the online one, too? Yeah. No, not online. Oh, well, then come on, keep up. Oh, you caught up. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to talk about the prophetic agency. You know, prophetic ed is us establishing prophetic agencies throughout the world, and that is with prophets who have the full complement of the office, a department in the office, and an institution. And, the, and so we're not going to get too deeply in that because that's another training. But it is a matter of bringing us back to the proverbial question, the uh, this old question, which I introduced in 1993 in my book, my manual, uh, Constructing the Contemporary Prophet. I was like, oh. And in there, I talk about gift versus office. So prophesiers are gifters. They're your broadcasters. They are really, they're your commercials in, with the, in between the broadcasters. But they're your commercials. They might be a little bit of your correspondence, but what they do is give you statements of, about the future. Predictors. So how do we get to the point that, you know, I'm doing this for the prophets that know, that know they're God. The other ones that don't know them get saved. Okay. So, um, but for those who know they're God, they said, Bible said it'd be strong and it'll do great exploits. And, and guess who's, guess what? What? An angel said that to a prophet. Huh. 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 An angel, Gabriel, says that to Daniel. Yeah. So that means that they worked this out in, in God realm. <laughs> and they're trying to help us. And so it says, but those, you know, he said, but those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. That means exploit. That means extracting the ploy out of God's wisdom that we have discerned by knowledge, knowing him. 
People say the knowledge of Jesus Christ is how you're strong in the Almighty. So we'll go on because, you know, i got a lot to share. So if you look at this, this is from the author of the best-selling Prophet's Dictionary. Many of you have it. If you don't, just go online and get a copy of the Prophet's Dictionary, Prophet's Handbook, and Prophet's and then assessing your prophetic self, and then a whole lot of things. And then if you really want to know how deep I go, go take an assessment. We have several online. Go to drpaulaprice.com, hit take an assessment, and then it will tell you who you are. Now, understand, our assessments are not inventory lists. You won't get a grocery list of gifts or talents or anything like that. You're going to get extensive, explanative narratives. They're going to tell you a whole bunch about who you are, how you think, starting with whether or not what your dominant gift is, whether it's office ready or office functional, or whether it's transitioning, or whether it's a gift. Because some people are never called to the office. You realize that a, a corporation have a whole lot of buildings and a lot of spaces. Not everybody's in an office. Sure. Is that right? Yeah. Not everybody's in an office. Some people are in an office. Other people are in the bullpen. Some people in the janitor, they in the basement, they in the whatever. So not everyone is in an office in any institution. That means that the officers hold a different place. So we'll look at this. So the gift, ministry gift versus ministry office controversy. Every issue that we're facing right now, everyone, is about gift versus office. Every single issue. Are you a gift, running on your own natural talents and attributes, or are you an office and with those attributes and talents being empowered and authorized by being engaged to an institution? Remember this. If you're taking notes, remember this. Gifts are for individuals. The individual controls the gift. I sing when I want. I dance when I want. I give speeches if I want. If I don't feel like it, I don't have to. No one can make me sing unless I'm under contract or covenant. At which point now you are moving, that gift is being engaged by an office in an, in an official capacity. I want you to remember this because we keep going on and on and on and on. Like, okay, they said they're prophet. Mm-mm. I'm going to show you how to try a prophet. Just hang with me for a little bit. We're going to try these prophets. Because, see, I have in an assessment, okay, but you got to try him. He said try the, try the spirit. He didn't even, he, and he didn't say try the spirit by the spirit. What did he say? Try the spirit by the word, mm-hmm. by what I wrote. So I'm going to try, you should try your prophets by the predecessors in the word of God. You should try it by the reason the word of God came to earth. How about trying a prophet by Jesus? He came as a prophet. Didn't he? He came as a prophet. He didn't come just as Messiah. He came first as a prophet. That's all they knew. They were wait- they were not waiting for a Messiah who was necessarily some sort of um, aristocrat or some sort of elite. They were waiting for a Messiah who was a prophet. So Jesus came as a prophet. So all these prophets keep telling you, all, all their definitions, but he came as the great prophet, and he came as the consummate mosaic or Moses prophet. He came as the prophet of the law. Oh, come on. That's Jesus.
Jesus, the law he authored. See, you can't answer a lot of questions because you want to answer them from your gut. You want to answer them from your impression, your favorite sermons. But we need to go to the textbook. I don't know how many universities are going to give you a degree or you saying, I don't need a textbook. Let me just stand here and say something. Even a genius has got to be able to frame that within what the university stands for and says they exist to produce. So Jesus comes as a prophet. We don't know. It's not even until we get to Hebrews that we recognize that he's a prophet to Israel and an apostle to the nations. Mm-hmm. See, Hebrews 3 calls him an apostle because now Israel has to accept him as more than that. So Jesus comes, and you know it's true, because he didn't come and make more prophets. Did you notice that in Jesus' entire three-and-a-half-year ministry? He did not come to make more prophets. He came to make apostles who were to go to the nations. See, a lot of the, the logos logic escapes us because we don't get into the word of God. So he comes as the prophet, and he is begetting and grooming apostles. And when he rises from the dead and he recommissions, because, you know, my our, our, our theologians don't always remember that, but and he recommissions the, the 11 surviving apostles. Judas is gone. See, Jesus, as the resurrected Christ, recommissioned 11 apostles, not 12. The apostles induct the 12th by the Holy Ghost. So when people give us all of these explanations, what I notice is that theology often ignores practicality. We just don't get the practicality or even the pragmatism of God. So he comes as the prophet. And he's, he's literally, Jesus' arrival on the planet shut down the Mosaic prophet because it literally fulfilled the, the law of Moses. And that is why we transitioned to apostles, because the prophets were already on uh, uh, furlough until after the apostles established the church that prophets come back online because they had fulfilled their purpose when they got them to the planet. So why am I saying this? Because there's a continuum. And this continuum reaches far back into God's realm. Gabriel said that, you know, he's the one that's telling him those who are strong. Gabriel is, right now, we're reading the book of Daniel. But when Gabriel was talking to Daniel, the prophet, there was no book of Daniel on earth. It was in heaven, and it was brought to earth in the being of this angel. And so he's the one that's giving him the last day's prophecy while he's in Babylon. So it's not to, to let you know that all of this is not pertaining to the law of Moses as it had of a single nation. So today I want to talk about what, what it is that makes a prophet back down and bow down. See, because these prophets bowed to secularity. They bowed to institutions. They bowed, to, to don't, to, and I don't bow. So Jesus, all beat up, hungry, in the wilderness, had 40 days and 40 nights. He has to wrestle with the animals. We don't pay attention to the fact that it said he was with the wild beast. Right. See, that is very important. That means man had to fight for his life for 40 days and 40 nights on an empty stomach. Okay. okay. Now, maybe he had some water, but I'm 
you know, I'm, I'm thinking that's all he has. So he's 40 days. When people tell me they do a 40-day, 40-night um, fast, I'm like, where's the beast? <laughs> you going to be like Jesus? Why are you still watching television? Why are you not in the wilderness? You know, why aren't you on, you know, and I like the little outdoors folks. At least they could do it. And they, I mean, they kind of come closer to the scheme, but we're the beast. Did you have to wrestle with the beast that were coming because they were hungry? And you were dinner, and you're the Messiah. So he's wrestling, he's with these wild animals, and he's not eating, and Satan doesn't show up until he's at his weakest point. Your weakest point is just before the tap out. I'm about to tap out now. I can't, and then here he comes. And he comes bringing what seems like three silly tests to us in the 21st century. But back then, where everything was the gods and the humans, it was very important. It was a very important test. So Jesus passed the test. But the one thing that he did was that he never got off the word of God. And we celebrate, yay, Jesus never got off the word of God. Hallelujah. He's the author. He did what came natural. I'm your maker. Now, I know that these people that you are confusing throughout the whole planet may not get that, but I am your maker, and you know I'm your maker. And what did he say? But he wanted it. The test was more for our future, but to be written. As he comes back and describes his experience to his apostles. So he comes back. He said, but, you know, man shall not live by bread. I'm sorry, um, Thou shalt worship, forgive me, thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and him only, what, shall you serve? Isn't that what he said? I think that's why it went. Because, see, when he offered him to turn these birds to stone, he said, man shall not live by what? Bread alone. Okay. Hey, why don't you jump and see if you fly? I mean, because God's going to catch you. Now, Satan knew all of those angels were around. Everybody was watching him. The test was very, very public in God's realm. You know, and so the angel's supposed to catch you because it's, it is written, because he realized it is written is what, what Jesus is working on. He is working on it is written. He, that saved his life. That saved his commission. That saved his ministry. That saved our souls. It is written, the word of God. And so he tells them, so he goes and he said, now, you know, I'll give you all of this. See this, isn't this wonderful? That's like somebody taking you out of earth and you're looking down like we do in the airplane to see all of the lights and all of the buildings and structures, and they're saying, you know what? I can give you this. And Jesus is like, but, but wait a minute. I let you have it. You forgot. I let you have it. You know, people often say two things I will say. This is a sidebar, but it's for those of you who, who are not saved, talking about what I was never lost. So let me help you out. You were not lost to you but you were lost to eternity. So he's not saving your now. He's saving your soul after this. So, so when you know, people say, well, I was never lost, especially our academicians and the scholastic, the, the cerebral folk, you know, I was never lost. So, and then the, the thing that he wanted Satan to get was that I own you. People talk about, I don't have to worship God. I don't have to play, praise him. I mean, my own hands got this. No, your hands may have molded, but you got it from his dirt. So it's still his dirt. See, Jesus lays claim on dirt, and whatever that dirt is used to do, 
the pipes that makes, the chairs it makes, the trees that it, it grows, all of that's his. That's why he states his claim that all souls are mine and everything on this planet is mine because this was my planet even before I put you on it. It's my dirt, my sky, my rain, my water. Now, just because I allow you to make something out of it doesn't mean that when you're done with it or when I'm done with it, it still doesn't return to my dirt. See, still my dirt. Everything corrodes. Everything rusts. So based on, and that's what you would call one of those really um, meticulous, granular salvation points. You know, I own you because you were born from my dirt. Now, you don't have to serve me, but I can dispose of you any way I want to because it's my dirt. Huh? Well, he does. I mean, half of the people, unless you commit suicide, you're trying to live. 97 years old, wealthy as you can be. You can't stay on this planet because the dirt calleth thee. <laughs> we'll be using that now. We have something to do with that. And, yeah, I do say it blunt, and I say it frank so that you can hear it. Even if you get irritated, you heard it. You are my dirt. And it's when you start getting to be 70, 80, 90 years old, and you are, your, your body is failing you, and you're starting to realize, wait a minute, so I'm not as invincible as I thought, that the, the, the dirt starts to call. Bit by bit, the dirt starts to call. Because that's my dirt. And that's my, you know, and, and for those of you who say, well, you know, I like this one. See, you know, because I, I, I have to practice this somewhere. <laughs> you know, but what if there is no afterlife? I would tell you this. I'm as clear as a bell. You old. The fact that you age to get back to the afterlife means somebody programmed you to rot, all of us to rot away in the dirt. See, there are just too many. If we can handle these three human factors, I will listen to you. But, see, you can't handle the three human factors. Number one, you get sick. Much as you don't want to be sick, you get sick. Critters, a fly can get in your eye, take you out, bring a virus. Come on here. But humanity can be killed by nothing. A gnat, boom, in your eye. Go in there and get in. Come on, because, see, we got these little crazy gnats. Okay. But, so, the, that's from a real place. <laughs> that's a real place. So you, number one, you get sick. Number two, you get old. And number three, you die. And you will never, ever get rid of death because the dirt is going to kill you. It's built to kill you. God said, cursed is the earth. He said that. He, it doesn't even say he said cursed is Adam. Because he, he'd already told Adam, okay, in the day you eat from this here tree, you will die. Go to other, service, um, other teachings and, and broadcasts, and it will tell you why. So those three things, and then the fact that you don't know anything until you are learning. You understand? You got to, your brain is empty. Empty. Nothing in it. And then it grows up to hate its maker because, well, that's what it does. So I'm not impressed. I really am. When people tell me, well, I just don't believe in God, I'm like, good. Uh, I'll go with that. So I have a question. Did you dream? Any time this year? Yes. Prove it. <laughs> you can't prove to me that you even thought this thought. And the only way we know that you're thinking is because you're talking, right. which is why he starts with, in the beginning, <laughs> was the word. 
So unless you can take, see, there are just too many obvious things that, that, that let us know that there's God and you don't like him. You don't want him. Your mama didn't want him. Your daddy didn't want him. That's fine. But if you were in Christ before the foundation of the world, you will be saved unless you totally resist the call of the Holy Ghost. So now look at this. Hey, I had all these studies. I did all of this crazy stuff. That's why I can do talk about it. So desire for power. Does anybody see the flashing caution sign? Don't y'all like that? Don't y'all like the little caution sign? Your spiritual security. So I'm going to go and make this larger. Rachel can't do it with hers. <laughs> Can you read? Okay. Keep on running away from sex, from sexual immorality. Any other sin that a person commits is outside his body, but the person who sins sexually sins against his own body. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That body there is not just your physical body, because otherwise we would just say, okay, we're going to get some disease. No, no. That body there is your soul, that body and soul connection. Now, these are the prayers of a Christian witch. Just for you to understand, got this. I don't even know. It's got something up there where it is. Now, I'm going to try to make it larger. Hold on. So you can see it. First of all, you cannot be a Jesus Christian witch. Because he already condemned that. The only reason you survive now is because of the blood of the lamb, because Israel had to kill him. Ancient, before the blood, the, it was capital punishment. Yeah. And that's what they had to do. And so um, you cannot be a witch now because witch actually means wise one. Wise from what? The tr- tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, because God's wisdom doesn't kill is to give life. He said the law was to give us life. The word of God, the word of life. He's come that we might have life. So, but a lot of saints, really, because you're not really saints, you know, or either you're saints who are unsanctified, because you got people who are just, we just love Jesus, but we, that's it. You have tantrums when God wants to bring his truth to you. You have all kinds of anger. You're frustrated. So, but because you don't want God's truth. It said he made his sons into a burnt offering. This is Manasseh. Manasseh. Where did we hear that? All right. He made his sons into a burnt offering, practiced witchcraft, used divination, and consorted with mediums and the spirit channels. He, he practiced many things that the Lord considered to be evil, and provoked him, Manasseh, at age 12, 12 years old. Because, see, back then you were not a king by age of wisdom or maturity, just by blood. So a 12-year-old running a country, and then you wonder why they run it in the ground. So this is, the, this is everything God hates, everything. And so when we um, – I'll go back to that. Sorry, guys. So when you start talking about spirituality and the prophetic and whatever, because these people never read the scriptures, they cannot defend the Lord or his gospel or his redemption. They don't know. So in their minds, these are just novel gifts. And, you know, the devil's a criminal. All devils are criminals. They are eternal criminals. They are 
heaven's criminals, they're spiritual criminals. They kept not their first estate. They came down to the planet. They copulated with women, reproduced themselves. So they're all criminals. We keep acting like they're just nuisance. They're not nuisance. They're not just, they're not pestilence. They are eternal criminals and some of the highest ones God has had. And so when you read this, all of the things that we have in the church today are here. Well, we don't really, we don't really um, put our children through the fire as a burnt offering. A burnt offering is a holistic gift to a deity. So you give your kids the fashion. You give your kids the dating. You give your kids to mating. You give your kids to homosexuality. You give them to everything that will destroy their souls. So you're not much different. And so I just need you to know that. So now let's look at what this this Christian witch, I'm telling you right now, a witch cannot be born again because the Holy Ghost has not recreated a witch spirit. Now, if you are repentant, yes, but you cannot maintain, remain a witch and be born again, born from above. You will never be the offspring of the Godhead because God has not removed Satan's spirit from you, which you inherited from Adam. See, and a lot of times we agree with these things and we accept them because nobody makes them make sense. Right. Like nobody really explains. So what is wrong with that? You know, what is wrong with, with uh, you know, all of the things that he's doing? I mean, why is that wrong? It's, not, it's, it's wrong because it's not God. It's wrong because it's God's adversary. It's wrong because it's being administered to, superintended, and, and perpetrated by the fallen angels, and the one-third population came out the sky and all of that. So let me look at this. So prayers for Christian witch. Now, how is that going to be different from a unchristian witch? <laughs> the second three, my fortunes be, encircling me, come and be, what, come be round my heart and my home. All right, so we're talking about everything that's dying, clay stuff. This is all clay pot stuff. This is all doomed stuff. This is all doomed earth stuff. And they go on, and she said the presence of God. I thought this would be interesting. The three who are over me, which they get to pick, by the way. Which three? They get to pick the three they like because they can't have our three because our three is condemning them. Okay. (laughs) Well, it is. Our three is condemning them. And our three has, you know, because he's already said it. So you could say above me, whatever. And then the three who are with me, and then the three, the yonder. So this is their way of saying that I got three. But what this is actually saying is that in these three spheres, yonder, below, around, those three spheres, I got three. So we don't know how many have this stuff because this is polytheism. See, paganism has a a thearchy. T-H-E-A-R-C-H-Y, a thearchy. But the Godhead is a theocracy. Hey, behold, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. He's one God, one Lord. One being, same material, same being, one being that manifests or partitioned, if you will, three ways. Not really partitioned because they don't separate. So, you have to see where they go. And then she starts calling on Christ, Christ before me, within me, above me, below me, behind me, to the right of me, to the left of me, and then be with me, Celtic. So then the Christians will read this and say, oh, there's 
on as Jesus. When Jesus himself said there are many Christ. He said there are going to be many Christ. A lot of people, you know, Jesus is enviable. So a lot of folk are going to want to, to um, be him. That's why, that's what's the whole issue with Lucifer. Why can't I be him? You know, you have noticed that there's no whole story talking about Jesus trying to be, be Lucifer. Huh. Not one. Not one. We don't have one of those fails. At least, huh? Well, on, yeah, on TV, and look at them, you know, and, and on TV, you can tell that the angels that TV has, um, the angels that, t- that, that, that um, TV shows, they are really, they're the fallen angels. They're unhappy. They don't know anything. I'm like, how are you going to be sent on an assignment to earth talking about, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess he'll tell me. He, he never has a name. He, he, he's always he in these stories because, you know, so I don't know any of these things. I told God, do not send me one of them angels. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want them if they, because the, these are the ones who fail the class. They, they're bottom of the barrel angels, okay? And don't send me them. I want you to send me somebody like Gabriel. Gabriel, now I will tell you what will be at the end of the world. See, I like this guy. He, 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 he got some information, okay? Manasseh, you know, um, what is um, Samuel's dead. dead. Um, the angel comes, you're going to name him this, you're going to tell him that. They come, how are you going to come into the planet and you need email? <laughs> I'm mad with this. I told him, Jesus, do not send me any of those guys. Send them to the wicked. Send them to the lost. Send them to the unsaved. But please, don't send them to me. Because I don't want to have more heavenly information than the angel who just came from heaven. <laughs> I'm like, oh. What is the point? Why are you here? You know, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to bind him. I'm going to bind him because I'm going to show you a devil. See, so I'm going to bind you because I'm thinking, if you're that ignorant now, you have got to be part of the ones that God shut out of his information stream. So I'm going to bind you, and then I'm going to cast you out of the planet because you have no business showing up lying to me. I can't stand it. Have you ever? I've not seen one. Now, they may have them, but I've not seen one Christian angel show that A, calls, calls anybody but God. Every now and then they'll say God. Most of the time he's he. He's a pronoun. I'm gonna need not to. I don't. I'm gonna need you not to represent the pronoun God. They say every now. Yeah. Well, that was that was. Yeah, maybe. But they knew nothing. I was like, how are you an angel? Don't. I mean, did you go to the meeting? Did you get some cliff notes? Did God lock you out? I mean, come on here. The only one who didn't know anything was Satan and Job when he went to the meeting. So I understand that if you all don't have that information, you're not current. I'm going to need you to be more, can't even be current, forget eternal. Wow. Can't even be current. So, you know, I was upset. I'm sorry, don't, don't, I told Jesus, and we have had this, Lord, I love you dearly, sweetheart, don't send me one of them, because I'm going to be rebellious and disrespectful. <laughs> and disrespectful. And dis- yes, I am. Don't send me one of them. Not at all. Mm-mm. I want Remember that one, we, what are we doing here? You don't know? That's 
like going to somebody's parking lot at work every day talking about what are we doing here? I don't know. But anyway, last one, second corner, <laughs> just waiting on him. Him. I'm like, and you know they don't use Jesus? No, 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 no. Now, angels brought Jesus, watched his birth, took care of him, handled his entire earthly, but you know what? They don't use him. Okay, he, Manasseh, burned his son as a sacrifice in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, consulted fortune tellers. All right, y'all saints. Consulted fortune tellers, cast evil spells, practiced witchcraft, and appointed royal mediums and psychics. Isn't that interesting? So we have a church that can't even tell you the, real, the false from the truth. Moving on. Powers, principles, principalities, and practices of divination. Not the same as prophecy. Hammer home our prophets, especially with the divination thing that we're going through and and all of that, we have got to hammer home the differences between divination and prophecy. Prophecy is eternal, which means that's why Gabriel can say, let me tell you what's going to happen at the end day. <laughs> divination is here and now, which is why so many of these prophets are pulling their words from the headlines. Wow. Mm-hmm. Or they're pulling them from dinner parties with darkness. But it's the truth, isn't it? So because Gabriel told Daniel everything, everything. I mean, Daniel, well, he told Daniel so much, Daniel needed three days off work. He said, I couldn't get up and go to work. I mean, <laughs> the future was so heavy on him. He was like, I got to, because when God gives you those words, he doesn't just put them in your ear. He put them in your spirit, which is what makes you queasy and nauseous and tired and blah, blah, and blah, blah. A lot of saints are sick because they did not know how to respond to the spiritual sensations of God's impartation. So God's deposit. And so here we are. And so did you like this guy? Did you all see him? He said, who am I? Question, am I, who am I, my story, you know, uh, what does he have, insecurity, my longings. So this is all about carnal. This is all about you and your flesh. Divination is about your flesh. Did you just read from Second Chronicles 33, 6, fortune telling? What is fortune telling? Telling you how whatever the gods of fortune, I think one is Gad, I think the other one is many, but the gods of fortune well, are doing and plotting for your life. A lot of these things, you all go researching names and count on, you don't know who did it. That stuff in the Kabbalah, that's, God, that's not Almighty God. That's devils who blend it with God's people and begin to inseminate them like that. So you go to, I mean, when they start talking about it's ancient, ancient doesn't mean eternal, and eternal doesn't always mean righteous. Right, well, it is righteous because you get eternal damnation as well as eternal redemption. But ancient doesn't mean God. As a matter of fact, ancient most likely means devils. If you notice, you watch these ancient texts, they're all torn up and whatnot. You watch the movies, the movies are all in funky little caves. You got bats, you got um, webs and cobwebs and, and all of those kinds of things, little old lizards, nasty little eyes. So all of that cannot be God. And we like that, don't we? We like those things. We like it when angels come and get drunk with us. That's what they do. 
devil, well, that's what, isn't that what the movies are showing you? Angels come and get drunk. When you start watching these witchcraft things, they're working with blood, pig blood, pig blood. Come on, pig blood. Even God didn't have pig blood. He didn't. He at least said, could you get the blood of these animals, something about their their cell life, their genetics that made their blood not so bad. And then he said, and don't drink it. Don't drink it. Why is it? But yet they, you can tell they have no life because they can't, they, trust me, they have no life because they keep drinking blood, mm-hmm. trying to get dead life into the, to, to oh. less deaden their life. Yeah. You got to drink it. You got to smear it on yourself. You got to do all of those things for a devil to maybe, and you hope he might be the top devil. He might be able to pull it off. He might be strong. This devil might be, mm-hmm. might be. And so, you, 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 we have to do all of that, and all we have to do is say, um, I, I'm, I'm under the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. Because we had the blood, the same blood that gave Adam life. See, it's that Genesis Eden blood. When he breathed into Adam's corpse the breath of life and the blood and every other life-giving force and chemistry came through the breath of the Almighty. So we're saved by the blood that Satan did not get a chance to keep and contaminate. So, but what is blood? Blood is the currency of creation. Why? What is it? I mean, because God locked all energy and power in the blood. Why? Because the blood is the one thing that courses through every facet of the human makeup. Yes. Everything. Your hair talks about your blood. Yes. Your, your, your fingernails. Mm-hmm. These are your, your extremities, your amputees. They can look at somebody's finger cut off and tell you about the blood that ran through it. Because everything, in, in, in blood is like the power. That's why he said it's the power. Because it's that one thing that, that God created that powers every part of us. And angels don't need the clay part. So they're running on pure energy, which is what Hebrews says in Hebrews ten seven that Jesus lives by the power of an endless life. It's a blood that does not have to be restored or replenished or anything like that because it, it, it says, stays the same, and it's self-regenerating. In other words, once you expend it, it replenishes itself right away. You expend it, it replenishes itself right away. And, and it has none of the death-defying elements and particles of the mortal world. That's what he took from Satan. That's why Satan was in that tree. That's why he was over there trying to talk them to get into, to let him inside, because he had... He, he wanted to get back to that pure God blood. And he thought, if I can get back to that pure God blood, I can also get back into God's good graces because clearly the blood gives access. So he wanted to get back to the pure blood. And he it didn't dawn on him, it couldn't have dawned on him, rather, that he actually was the carrier of all death. So every time he dispensed something of himself, it died, but his death flows intensified. They replenished themselves. 
So he kept dying. I mean, he just kept dying, and he just he people kept dying. So he knew that he knew they couldn't fly because they didn't have it. They couldn't fly outside of the orbit of this world. They couldn't fly. They could not. He, he they couldn't get out of the swamp. Why was he in the swamp? Come on, help me now. Why were y'all in the swamp? Because God took his power, and because we don't really describe that to people, and it took science to tell us. But because we don't describe it, so the blood that Jesus left on the cross is his corporeal blood. It had the platelets and all of the other elements of blood, dead blood. Like God's blood, you can't even, it's going to clear. And really, it took God putting sin on Jesus for it to become even as deadly as it was. Because remember, the man spit on the ground. Yes, And God got his sight. He could have a whole blind factory today with his spit. Just spit. <laughs> Jesus spit sight restoration clinic. <laughs> and you know what people gonna see? She gotta have things gonna line up. I would bite this, but they would say, but they, I mean, but that's spit. If I walk away seeing, honey, like that man says, spit right here, both eyes. Yeah. Oh, he make his he make his little mix in his cup. And then smear it. Just to, <laughs> I brought my own cup. I got my, <laughs> you don't have to worry about a cup. Okay? Now, all you need to add is the spit. You add some spit. And, and, and that was in the Bible to let you know that there, were, that there was no sin in him. Nothing in him was harmful until God put sin on him. I don't know about you, but that, our story is so great. I can't imagine why people aren't telling that story, you know? But so... We, we, we know that. And the same thing when he starts healing. Jesus could not come to the planet today in that form because they're going to kidnap him. He's going to be locked up. They're probably going to put him on some space station because they, <laughs> they don't want us to find him. <laughs> and he is going to be compelled to serve. So the, the next thing is, uh, so we're still getting into the whole divination thing. So prophecy and prophet, discernment, detection, discrimination, and distinction. You need to look up, um, maybe you can tell them, Rachel, how to get my teaching on your prophetic pedigree. We don't know the pedigree of these prophets. We, we should know that. We should, we should understand. You know, when a prophet tells you anybody but Jesus Christ or the Holy Ghost makes them who they are, that is not a prophet of Jesus Christ. Dead relatives, dead bishops, dead friends. That's how the B.C. world anointed their future leaders or replacements. They sent dead, dead versions of them by way of a demon, okay, to who shows up looking like departed mom, departed dad, departed bishop, and they came either through dream or through some sort of intoxication, and they anointed you that way. Now, because the church has been taught that, you know, there's only one God that, and he's the only God. No, God is not the only God, and he tells you he is. He said, I'm not, he said that. He's, he's the only true and living God, okay. but he's not the only God. He's not our God. I mean, Satan's not our God, but he's still the God of everybody coming in the world. He still has all God authority, access, whatever, attributes even over humanity. So in Deuteronomy 18, 8, 10, it says, don't sacrifice 
your son or your daughter, and don't try to use any kind of magic or witchcraft to tell fortunes or to cast spells or to talk with spirits of the dead. CEV, Contemporary English Version. Now, I want you to hear that because, see, that's popular in churches today. And then you want to know why they're asking for masks. <laughs> just, just, just ring on, baby. Just ring on. Because these, you understand that when, when, when Satan entered Adam, God departed. God was gone by the time Adam took the first bite. God had left. Because there had to be space for the devil to enter. So God had left. So when he took it in his hand, God was like, I'm out. And scripture talks over and over again. Oh, you don't want me to go on it? Go ahead, see what? What are we seeing? See, he was gone. So there had to be, because God, everybody has to have a place. You have to prepare a place. So he was gone. So when Adam ate that fruit, that fruit was already saturated and anointed by the Satan, by Satan's makeup. It was anointed fruit. Remember, she said, she looked at it, and all of a sudden, it looked enticing. Right. It, it looked like it was good for food. Watch, his words, his prophecy about what would happen when they ate that fruit. I got to hit something. Right. Go ahead, do it. Thank you. See, he prophesied. That when you eat this fruit, your eyes will be open, and you will be uh, be like God. He prophesied. Divination prophesies a lie that you have heretofore refused after it anointed it to look good or sound good to you. My God, we're done. I got a few more times, a little more time. I know you do. Okay. Oh, no, no, you're not. Done. I'm not. You're, oh, wait a minute. Okay. So he prophesied, that's the first, think about it, the first prophecy in creation, other than the creative prophecy of God saying, let there be stars in the heaven and let them do blah, 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 blah. The first prophecy in creation, true to his Alpha Omega self, is, comes from God's mouth to Adam. Of every tree in the garden, you can eat, have as much, you can binge. But of the tree of the <laughs> you can binge. I'm binging on my favorite fruit today. He said, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree, see, because we often don't say the whole thing. But it's, he said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, because in the day that you do, you will surely die. That's a prophecy. He didn't say, if you do. In the day that you do. We still can't get out the garden. Because, honey, this thing is this dark. It was a lot going on in the garden. Okay? And so he said, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And when you look up the word surely there, it's a very interesting string of definitions. You know? So he said emphatically. Now, the way he said it surely gives the impression that something is set in motion. So he, emo- he immediately died. He said, but you will surely die. 
and you will return to the dust for of the dust you were taken and to the dust you will return. The body wasn't what God was talking about. Because day six, he created male and female. Day seven, they're in existence, and so a logical mind can deduce that they hung out. And they called it the first Sabbath. Humanity's first Sabbath with God was male and female form. And I want to say for y'all who got this strange theology, not husband and wife, not girlfriend, boyfriend. Not girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend. <laughs> Not girlfriend, boyfriend, switching places. <laughs> and switching gender. They had no gender. There was no gender other than the identification of the type or the model of creature. So he said, from the dust you came to the dust you will return. Now, that serpent made that fruit that looked so okay and that, that was so unattractive, perhaps unappealing, because they would have been trying to get to it without before, but he did something. He anointed it with his seduction. Wow. And, it's, and, and that anointment, literally, because they, they obviously played with it so much, that anointment, like with Samson and Delilah, Delilah continued to drop their guard and to lower the bar of the taboo. The threat didn't seem quite so bad. So eventually what God told them would happen was erased by what the serpent said would happen. Because God's news was bad. You're going to die. So their mom, no, that's not doomsday. So the the, the serpent said, oh, no, 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 no. That's just negative thinking. Negative. Let me give you a positive spin. God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes will be open. Isn't that something? And you're going to get this wisdom, and you're going to be like God. Huh. That certainly sounds better. And I mean, at God, what does he know? And clearly we're not God because we look at him and we're not him because we don't see ourselves. And so... What did she say? She said, but the serpent beguiled me and studied that word. He cast a whole vision. He cast a picture. He did an overlay over this tree. He did an overlay over the fruit because it said when she, after he finished, she looked at that fruit. You know, you take that second look. Now, we don't even want to talk about Adam who had been there all those years and not been tempted. All of a sudden, the serpent changed his view of the tree as well. False prophecy and divination will change your view of God. And it will tell you what God cursed is really blessed and God's just selfish. He's just insecure. He's an egomaniac. And he just don't, he wants to terrorize you too so you stay out of his stuff. Now, God wants us to have wisdom all over the place. So, Divination tells you that. It tells you that even though you know what the word of the Lord is, you want to do something else. Take Balaam and the angel. God said, no. Balaam played with that thing so much, God said, okay, if you're going to go, then I'm going to send you. Not that he didn't know, but a lot of these things are written for our examples. 
They're written for our information. So if you look at this, Deuteronomy 18 says don't sacrifice your son and daughter. You know how we just give, throw them to the wolves? We give them to the celebrities we put, so they can get molested and all of those kinds of things? Yes, that's it. And he said don't try to use any kind of magic. Churches have magic shows. They do. Magic shows. And you want to tell me that's Jesus Christ. Jesus does not need magic because he already owns everything. You know, he did not feed the 5,000 and the 4,000 with magic. He fed them out of his body, out of his being. He didn't have to say, say these three things, say these quotes, these chants. All he did was say, I thank you, Father. So that's what he tells us. You want power? Just thank me. You want something? Thank you. Jesus, I just thank you that you delivered me. I thank you that you do this. I thank you. Why? Because all the work that they have to do was done on the cross. And all that they have to do was left in hell. And we end up with a spanking brand new, clean Jesus Christ rising from the dead with all of us. Does that make sense to you all? You know, when, when they say, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, we think Jesus is saying that for us to live on what we call easy street. You know, he said that when there was no light, there was no cars, no energy, people walked everywhere, they were at risk, people couldn't grow this, there was no manufacturing, and he said then, now if that was, we don't even consider anything close to that easy. We consider having to go to the supermarket and stand in line hard. God, I just, okay? <laughs> the devil showed up. Okay, I got to check it out myself and then back it. Okay, Jesus meets a woman at the well dragging a bucket of water for her whole little community. We upset because the faucet is too slow. I'm like, I don't have time to play with you, shower. We are so, so when he said my yoke is easy, our definition of easy, our estimation of what it should be, is not theirs. You know, now his was easy. I mean, because you said I could make, he, what he said, um, you know, I could give you water that's going to make you live forever. Girls, like, give me that night, right now. That'd be us. I'm dropping, here's my bucket. Jesus, here's my bucket here. Can you put it, load me up here. He said, well, you will never thirst again. She's like, who? When it's sir, give me that. But I want you to think about how we see it. So when he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he is literally talking about the ease of what he is ushering into the planet in comparison to the laborious rituals devils need. Because they still have to get their self stuff from God. And, and, and so it takes, you look at them, why do, we, why do they have that polytheism? Because it takes a whole lot of devils to do any one thing. It take, I mean, you read it. If you read up all of this here, paganism and whatever, they're like, they're so excited. Well, at least we don't have to have Jesus. That's like saying I need 15 pieces of equipment to put in my car every day to turn that thing on and get to work. You see, because that's what it's like. Oh, wow, in order to, for me to get, to get my food out of my refrigerator, I have to go and pull all of these 15 things, lay them up a certain way. And, and then I have to go and find something to cut to make it bleed. And then I got to take the blood and put it on all of these things. See, because that was the law. The law of Moses was that you had to, 
you know, a whole lot of animals had to be cut, they had to be laid a certain way, whatever, for you to get God to say, oh, you want something? Every day. And Jesus is saying, but guess what? It's all in me. I am it, and it is all in me. So, and that, so he gets ready to leave, and he says to his apostles, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Heretofore, you did not ask anything in my name because you had to ask through the high priest who had to do all of those things. So the beauty of him, when he said, my yoke is easy, we just got one Holy Ghost who owns it all, embodies it all, manufactures it all, controls it all, dispenses it all, allocates it all, and, 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 and gave each one of us a piece of it in our new birth. So while they still try to find something to cut, and they still trying to find something to sleep with, they still trying to find something, because everything is about nastying and dirtying up the, the person. Because, see, dirty devils can't do anything with clean people, which is why every time we give them something clean, they got to dirty it up. They can't do anything with clean. Clean stinks to them, just like dirt stinks to us. So witchcraft rituals, idolatry, these are the seven things you need to know. Idolatry, fertility, sorcery, magic, divination, seduction, and devil doctrines. Now you understand. These are, so when you start talking about idolatry, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry, this is not idolatry. Yes, it is when, when you put, when you elevate things to God's status, my car to God's status, my home, my family, my wife, anything that God made, you make, you elevate it above him, that's idolatry. Because you're crafting an, an alternative to the Lord that cannot do for you what he does. I always like that one in Isaiah when he said, you know, the man cut down a tree. And he goes and he chops it up and he builds with it and he does all of this stuff with it. He said, oh, I got these leftovers. Oh, I know what I'll do with my leftovers. I'll make me a God. Mm-hmm. And he said, I mean, when, when Isaiah gives that, you think, how stupid can people be? But that's how severe the plunge into darkness was mm-hmm. when Adam sold us to darkness. Because, see, remember, they were plunged from the high heaven to the depth of the earth, which wasn't the earth at the time like we know it, because it was underwater. If the earth was underwater, then what was the water? You know what I'm saying? So where was the water? Because we we, kind of conclude water is on land, right? And it separates land. So that means that there is a watery abyss in the, in the invisible realm or in the space realm that actually holds matter, holds material. And it's water because it lacks solid, but it's not water the way we drink it. You know, it's not the blue water that we see in Earth. Theirs is a water that actually holds beings in its grip because that's where the devil and his, Okay. You like that, <laughs> Because there's no land. The water wasn't separating sand. It wasn't separating mountains. God had to add all of that to break it. And so he goes, and I'm like, so God, that water, well, he called it water, but it was on nothing because the earth was, in, was on nothing. But it was engulfed, and it was held in place. 
what a, I mean, the, the science to that must be crazy. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> must be crazy. So, and then, so let's talk about this divination. Divination is fortune-telling future events or discovering things secret by the aid of superior beings or, um, or other than human means. It is used in scripture of the false systems of ascertaining the divine will. It has been universal in all ages and in all nations alike, both civilized and savage. So I need you to see, think this. Why can't we get rid of it? And, and when you read Revelation, that's how everything ends. It all ends with the, the devil, the beast, and all of the, it ends in God's way. So let's go to the next one. Witchcraft and divination in the Hebrew Bible. And they talk about um, casting lots and, and the, the meals and all of that. Um, and, and so this here is obviously an occult person who wants to uh, – let us know that they're right and we're wrong because see, Satan's working hard to bring us back to that B.C. age before Christ, okay? And so um, all of the nature elements that people have, God wanted them to know that I am the one who created this. I made the ground, the earth, etc. So if you want me to make a lot of it, you're going to have to give me the first part of it. You're going to give me the first part. Now, and so this is, um, and I have the slide for it, which I'll share another time, and it has all of the things, because this is a book in the Hebrew Bible. And so it's, it's a book, and, and, and the whole idea is to discredit the cross. It's, and, and, and all of that, God said, but y'all still couldn't do it right. You still, I, I told you how to make the meal, make the thank offerings and all of that, because at that time he had to pull the, the whole religious mindset, the religious and ritual mindset from Israel, I mean from Egypt, out of Israel, from the other gods. And everywhere they traveled, they picked up a new ritual, picked up a new god, etc., because they wanted something they can see. And Moses had already told them, don't you make a picture of me. You know, you hear a voice speaking, but you don't see a person. And he says, so don't make a picture of me. So Deuteronomy... Um, 18.10, and then we're going to go to 18.12. Let there, let, I guess I should put these on. Put them on. Oh, yeah, that does help. Let there not be seen among you anyone who makes his son and daughter go through the fire or using secret arts or a maker of strange sounds or a reader of signs or a wonder worker or anyone using secret force on people, putting questions to a spirit or having secret knowledge of going to the dead for directions. Is that a deep statement? That's pretty deep. And then 1812, for all who do such things are disgusting to the Lord, and because of these disgusting things, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. So when, you, when God goes through the trouble of delivering a land from all of its, his adversaries is not because his ego is offended. That is not his issue. God's issue is that you dirtied my land. Unclean spirits do unclean things. They require you to do unclean things. And so he's like, I, want, I cleaned my land up for my people so that I can have a population that's reminiscent of what my civilization in my world. 
So I want to reproduce in clay what we're enjoying in my world in spirit. So these are some of the things that these people do. And these are all things that saints try to tell you it's okay. Astrology, numerology, and tarot, tarot Bible. Did you like that? Because everybody needs a Bible, which is why I keep saying scriptures rather than Bible. Bible just means book. But they use Bible to psych Christians out. Because Christians are literally uh, um, fixed or befixed with verse, certain words and triggers. So Bible is a trigger word. The ultimate mastery guide to the astrological signs, okay? Um, hold on, let me get it larger. The astrological signs, and I can't see the left. Well, maybe if I did this. And learn the meaning of numbers, tarot, and magic cards. Uncover the secrets of your future and destiny. Now, what future and destiny would they be talking about? The devils that, already, that Satan already begot or they, who reproduced themselves from Adam's fall. So they have a future, and the future is dead. The end of it is death because they're dead. Nobody in God's realm, in the invisible realm, can get any subjects, any followers, or any beings until they're dead. That's, that's how that works. Three books in one, tarot, astrology, and numerology. And you got saints. And, and why? These very saints will tell you that prophets are not from the day, or either they'll chase all of the false prophets who say this is okay. Right. This is all right, because after all. And then casting light, light, lots, a return to biblical divination, how they make you believe. Now, understand, understand, during that era, that was the way of the world, and Jesus Christ had not come to cast out all of those devils, all of those unclean spirits, etc., that established civilization. Uh-huh. You know, remember Nimrod? He established civilization. After Moses, uh, uh, Abel, he just went off and made his five cities, and they all had, <laughs> made those cities for the devils. Jeroboam, what did he do? He made place, places for the demons in the high places. So when, what the, our argument now is we cannot defeat the Christ thing. We can't defeat the Christian uh, theology. So what we'll do is we'll cast some sort of suspicion on it. Well, I mean, it, this has the word divination, and this has the word divination. So what's the difference? The difference is, the, I can give you the difference in a simple word. The difference is you coming home to your house and a whole other family being there talking about it's theirs. They like what you did. They like how you did it. And so they want to do it. And they want to cast you out. That's the difference. Owner versus theft. Owner versus imposter. And when people ask you, it's the same thing. But it's the same house. It's still your house. It's still your furniture, isn't it? It's, everything is still yours except occupation, except use. It's still your safe, but now they are going to use your safe. And you can't. And they're going to put you out. I mean, we're seeing that with the immigrant thing, isn't it? Yeah. Those people should very well understand God's issues. Come home and they're just in your house. They just took over your home and not paying the bills. Although some of them might be because it it keeps things quiet. Doesn't it? Okay. Sometimes it's good to pretend. I mean, people steal your car, move to another state, 
keep making the payments as if you're just visiting. Divination, not the same as prophecy. Why am I going through this? Because you need to understand that that, that there is a major difference. And the major difference is author versus what? Plagiarist. Major difference is creator, owner versus occupier or occupant. We have to think that way because if not, you'll get sucked into their lies. That's why Christians were sucked into it. Ezekiel 22, 22, at his right hand was the divination for Jerusalem to appoint captains to open the mouth to open the mouth and slaughter and to lift up the voice with shouting to appoint battering rams against the gates to cast a mount and build a fort. Now, we probably need to go to that because you all are probably where I am right now because when I did this, it was really wonderful, but it was current. And, you know, you go back and you're like, what was I saying? What was that about? So Ezekiel 22, 22. Uh, did you all find it? If you did, bless you. Because um, I have all of these little things, but do I? Can I? Okay, let's go. To, uh, yep, right there. I looked at the little thing that I should have been looking at. All right, so we're at Ezekiel 22, 22, and let's just see what God says. Now, remember, Ezekiel is the priestly prophet, and because uh, all prophets have a particular sphere. Their mantles are the thing. So we're going to go look at 22, 21. How about that? Would that be nice? Let's see. Okay, he's talking about his nation becoming dross, and, and how does this look? As they gather silver and brass and iron and lead and tin into the midst of the furnace to blow fire upon it, to melt it, so I will gather you in my anger and in my fury, and I will leave you there and melt you. Oh, Jesus. I will gather you and blow upon you in the fire of my wrath, and ye shall be melted in the midst thereof. The silver is melted in the midst of the furnace, so shall you be melted in the midst thereof, and you shall know I am the Lord. Uh, I, that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury upon you. So God is letting him know, I'm going to send your country into a meltdown. That's how we would understand it today. You know, we're going to go into a meltdown, think about some sort of a, a furnace or, or energy furnace or whatever. So he's saying that this is what he's going to do, and this is coming from um, the Bible in basic English, so you can understand that he will pour out my, and he said, and I will do it because I have made you, to obey me, and you have it. So I'm going to read this. Pitho, or pytho, divination is only of false prophets, foreign prophets, as of the Philistines, three kinds of divination common among the Shemitic nations, arrow, entrails, and teraphim, portents of the sky, and mysteries of the grave, sleep and dreams, omens, ominous voices, magic art, superstition, mediums, soothsaying, ravings, Streaming hair, foaming mouths, necromancy, capnomancy, pyromancy, uh, I'm sorry, um, nerfmancy, capnomancy, pyromancy, erythromancy, 
and on and on and on. All of these are Mansi. Anytime you see Aunt Mansi or Mans, that's talking about it came from a root or an origin of divination. Okay? And so, um, and even talking about uh, cephalomancy, which charms, and then whistling, whispering, whistling, astrology, and augury. Now, these are all of the things, and if we were having a class on this to do our, our prophecy diagnostic class, then I would have you all look up every one of those mancies to see what they mean. Because in Scripture, it says Jeremiah, Nebuchadnezzar stood on the top of the hill to do the, you know, the liver, to consult the liver. So these are consulting physical objects for spiritual information, looking at a salt shaker and, uh, and all of those kinds of things. So, but divination comes from, you know, Pythos. Um, Ezekiel twenty-one twenty-one. For the king of Babylon stood at the parting of the way, at the head of the two ways to use divination. He made his arrows bright. Did you see the arrow thing we talked about? He consulted with images. That's teraphim, looking at objects. He looked in the liver because the liver was considered, since it was the source of blood, it was considered to be the source of the the spirits would use for them to get information, the liver of animals. At his right hand was a divination for Jerusalem to appoint captains, to open the mouth, to slaughter, and all of that. So he's, he's, he's looking at how he's going to build this fort, this fort. I said 22. That should be 21. All right. 21, 23, and it shall be unto them as a false divination in their sight, to them that have sworn oaths. But he will call to remembrance the iniquity that they may be taken. In other words, God says he makes diviners mad. He drives them mad because Satan is operating by reading what the spirits in this world are doing or want to do. He does not know what's in the book of life. He does not know what's in the Psalm 139 book of people's future. He has no idea about those. So we talked about this before. Do we gift or office? If you are in, if you are in the office, you get more than ticker tape. You know, you don't. You, you know, they used to do that. Remember, before we got internet, you had the little ticker tape. People went in, tore, tore it off, and called it the news. But you get more than that if you're in the office. You might start with that, but you start with that as a project. In other words, your job is to make it happen. These people. And they tell you their gift because they said, you ask them, well, how do we know? And how do, don't ask me, ask God. I'm thinking if I'm going to ask God, then why are you talking to me? <laughs> you know, why are we talking? Okay? Because if I, if I have to ask God, because you can't go further than that slip of paper that you got, that flash in the sky, you can't expound on it, you can't, then why am I talking to you? Because prophecy is always always, uh, the, the prophet's mantle is always, always saturated with wisdom. How to, know to, that's what the mysteries are, what we're really talking about, what this really applies to. And, and, and you can do that. Now, sometimes I've had it where I got all of that information and still wouldn't, um, couldn't give them a know that God, don't tell them that. But God, uh, don't tell them that. But we still know how to carry it out. We have to, you have to be able to enforce let me back up. These are three words. Enact, enforce, execute. Enact, enforce, execute. 
if all you can do is announce, then we're then we we are in trouble. So in this initially and perhaps prototypically, an office was seen as a place or function of divine service, thus assigning its archetypical origins and roots to the Creator's world and not this one. In fact, much of the information and comprehensions emerging from the word office speaks to its deistic genesis, where divine tasks normally restricted um, to the unseen realm were entrusted to divine progeny or captives. Offices were agential or where agents where responsibilities were divvied up into tasks and functions that constituted geographic inhabitants' daily work. The functions were defined by the supernatural intermediary who delegated the responsibilities and duties to mortals on earth. That's how offices began, which is why it's important that we establish that the prophet is an office and that Abel did all of this to establish the prophetic in the mortal realm, in the human realm, as an agency for God. So when you're an agent, you don't get to decide how it's going to go. You pretty much have manuals, you have something. You don't get to say, well, I just don't agree with that, I'm sorry, because they pretty much won't keep you. So we went through this. I just want to go to the end of this tells you all of the things and the requirements and the parameters that goes into offices and their people. Over here, though, is where we define our, our continuum. Do you see? Entire Edenic case file. These are what God is still running on. As you can tell, I'm still running on, so you know he still is. Okay? And you can talk about pre-flood cases, Enoch, able to Enoch case file. You can talk about all of the... Um, historical, Moses case file, Abraham. God's still running on these files. And for the prophetic, he stays with the Balaam file. And so prophetic records certified that tells you all of the cases. So every time we come, what those beings set in motion, God is always going to reveal to the contemporary prophet that is assigned to that thing that they brought into existence. There will always be, why? Because angels are still watching over it because God, like the, as the Internet has become, nothing is lost. Nothing dies. Nothing disappears. Now, so the next thing I want to talk about is this case file. Can you all see? I'm going to go ahead on. So the Almighty's continuum from before the garden until the end of time. We act like life just because we understand in the beginning God said that, that that's when everything began, but it isn't. If you read uh, my personal favorite is Proverbs 8:22, where wisdom says that I was the first thing that he brought forth. Ecclesiastes, and I told myself, I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. For what can man do that comes after the king, even that which hath been already done? In other words, we don't have anything new. God is still running on these. He's still running on these. If you look at it, Eden, prophecy, file, Adam, Eve, serpent, Five prophecies filed, and it's talking about origin of the law of sin and death. These are the way prophets think. Prophets literally think like this because we have that large, very broad and expansive mantle. Mm -hmm. So prophets think, as well as apostles, but prophets think like this. They think about divine government and earth creation laws. 
I was surprised when I found out that God, Paul mentions laws that were not in Moses' day. So then God must have a whole other body of laws that he is moving on. And again, for you to see, Scripture is our example, or as King James says, in samples. And it's telling you, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, these things happened to them as a warning to us. All of this was written in Scripture to teach us who live in these last days. Because, we, you know, we're so busy trying to prove to people the Bible, well, you know, it, it, it's broken up, it's choppy. They, we would say that about our own libraries. We, it deals with the case of the so-and-so, and it's, we've done, and th- that's done, but yet we still use it as precedence. We, it's still referred to as corroboration or something like that. And then again, in King James Version, uh, now all these things happen to them for, in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So when you think about it, what God is saying, he has a continuum. This, God's not moving out of this because the things that these people brought into existence have not died. They may have ended. They may have been put on hold, suspended. But, but, but what is he saying? But they will circle back around. And it's our job to know when they do and to understand that they did. And if you look here, in this here, this is just an example of all the prophecy cases. We don't have to make up any thing. We don't have to. We could, we could just just say this. Just say this. So I don't know. You can take a, a snap of this. I think you might like it. Fifteen creator befores you should know. How do we come into a continuum? These are the 15 creator befores. Before there was an earth, there was a heaven housing God's divine world. Before there was an ecclesia on earth, there was the church of the firstborn in heaven. Before the body of Christ abided in clay, it abode in the second person of the Godhead. Before there was a Bible on earth, there was God's scripture of truth in eternity. Before there was an Israel in this world, there was a Jerusalem in God's. Before Jesus Christ became a savior, he reigned as creation sovereign. Before the devil resided on earth, he lived in heaven. Before there was an Adam, um, before there was an Adam's revolt on earth, there was Lucifer's cherubic one. Before there was war on earth, there was war in heaven. Before there were sinners on earth, there were sinners in heaven. Before salvation came to earth, it wrought, it was wrought in heaven. Before death reigned on earth, it devastated heaven. Before death came to earth, it killed in heaven. Before human sinners went to hell, celestial ones did. Before the Almighty saved this world, he saved his own. You like that? Because this is what prophets have to go. This is why we have a continuum. This right here. This establishes that what is done on earth is already done in heaven. That is why Jesus said what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. You can only bind on earth what was bound in heaven. And so, and what existed in heaven. So this is what we want to know about the prophetic. All right? The prophetic hinges on all God's world. Prophecy began in God's world. Prophets audiate God's divine thoughts. Prophets are how God starts anything. Almighty God spoke the first prophecy ever. The prophetic is more than a ministry. The prophetic is an agency. Prophets are more than spokespeople. Prophets are the world's first ministers. Prophets predate all institutions except marriage. Prophets, prophecy precedes performance. Prophecy is genetically encoded, 
and prophecy is biologic and anatomic, first and second. Now, if we, again, if this was one of the classes and we use this in a class, you could, I mean, you could really dig into this, and it would be, uh, I, I think it would be astounding, um, astounding in every way. And lastly, prophecy meant, uh, manifests by embodying itself. This is the last one. And again, this is April, um, this is Isaiah corroborating God's eternal continuum. What can be deduced about God and prophecy from the passage below? And, and these are pretty much the same thing over and over again, I believe, yeah, almost. Come here and predict what will happen so that we will know, know it when it takes place. It, explain to the court the events of the past and tell us what they mean. Tell us what the, the future holds. Then we will know that you are gods. See, God's been dealing with divination, false gods, and false prophecy a long time. Do something good or bring some disaster. Fill us with fear and awe. Isaiah 41, 2, and uh, 2, I think it's 2 and 23. I alone am the Lord your God. No other God may share my glory. I will not let idols share my praise. The things I predicted have now come true. Now I will tell you of new things even before they begin to happen. Did you notice he said begin to happen? Isaiah 42, 8 and 9, summon the nations to come to the trial. Which of their gods can predict the future? Which of them foretold what is happening now? Let these gods bring in their witnesses to prove that they are right, to testify to the truth of their words. Is that amazing? So God is not just, when we look at Psalm 82, God is not just trying to persuade humans. God is saying, but I need you guys. Come on. I will bring you all to the table. I will bring you into my court. I will let you come and show me, bring me the record of history, humanity's history, eternity's history. Bring it here. We will go through. Bring your witnesses and let them prove to me that they did this before I said it, that they know what I know. So, Sourcing divinatory prophecy, you will like the next one. You can, you can copy it too. Beware of false prophecy and false prophets. How to try prophets in their prophecies. Did you all get a snap of that? Because the next one you are going to want to snap. Do you see? This is the last one. Do you see what they're saying? Do you see what it says? This is what we're looking for. Okay, prophet, this is telling you. How this thing works, prophecy received, messenger hears and records, natural mind releases to spiritual mind, messenger authenticates word, authentication confirms word as Christ. That piece is very important. Uh, Prophesier studies and prays to get delivery plan, prophesier receives more, um, more info and instruction, prophesier incubates the word, prophecy incubation enlarges and clarifies. Prophesier is groomed by God to give the word, grooming, dreams, visions, imagery, and simulations. Prophecy delivery schedule and settling reveal, excuse me, and setting reveal. Prophecy time of delivery arrive. Prophecy received. This is prophecy start to finish. Now, again, when we get ready to get into these teachings, see, I got these wonderful prophets. Do I have you all over there? 
Yeah, I got some of them. Y'all are going to teach this, and you're going to teach it from beginning to end, and you're going to teach it spiritually, solically, anatomically, neurologically, behaviorally. You're going to teach it so that we people will begin to understand. Prophecy has a technology, that there is a technological journey, pathway, that all of them must follow, and God does it the same way. And even when you're yelling at God and fussing with him about, I, I mean, I, you've been saying it for 30, 40 years, and it's still not happening. Understand how old Abraham was when he first got the Isaac prophecy and when it happened. Because it has to go through the genealogy, but also the genetic tree, through the cell life. It has to cellulate itself throughout all of the beings, all of the people involved in making it happen. So I will close on this statement. I will not ever apologize because I know how prophecy works. Jeremiah did not meet Cyrus. Isaiah was centuries. He prophesied Cyrus centuries before. It took God decades to move Israel out of her land. To, and he said what he was doing in the process. He said, I'm, I'm raising up Babylon, that hasty nation. They will, they will not spare. They, are, they love to fight. They love to hurt because God has to genealogize prophecy. It has to hit the genealogy, has to hit that genetic tree, has to hit that era. It has to work all of that because God is biologic and creation is biologic, and he does things through his creation. He said we are his handiwork. So he moves through his creation. So you, that's why we think we can say how prophecy is fulfilled. Now, there are prophets who start at our seminal. They're the ones who are going to sow seed. There was a seminal prophet. And then there are prophets who are cultivators, and they are the ones that are in your life picking up that seed and now giving definition to it, giving breathing, and so it's growing in you. And they're also the ones that are bringing you into the, the, the people, the populations who are going to help you grow it. You're just growing it. You're just breeding it right now. You're not birthing. You're just breeding and then we can go all the way down. So now we've got the seven. Now we have the ones, the birthing prophecy. And these are the people that are going to let you know, hey, there's not much more time. God said to me that you're going to do so-and-so. Well, this thing is happening. I see this taking shape in your life. I see that taking shape in your life. I see this coming to pass. And so they're, birth, they're getting you ready for birth because they're getting you in that birth canal. And that birth canal is when you want to quit. That's the constrictive place because it's constrictive. And so you're, they're getting you in that birth and everything is tight. They're putting the squeeze on you. All of the things that you like, don't like, want, don't want, used to be, we're happy with. They're putting the squeeze on you. Now, before you get there, you get that whole appetite, weird appetite thing. All of a sudden, you want to start dabbling in this and testing that and playing around with this. So finally, we got you in the birth control. Now we're getting you in that last push. And their prophets tell you, okay, you're ready. Just like everybody's ready to catch that kid, there are prophets and prophetic voices that will tell you, okay, this is how God is doing it. This is how it's going to show up. This is what it's going to look like. This is the ways it's going to come to pass. They're ready to help you. And they're ready to help you bring that thing to pass and present you to the world and the people assigned to bring it to fruition in this world and then to grow it and then to maintain it. 
That's what you need to understand. That's what Jeremiah 1 is telling us. And, and if you look at the stages, and if you look at the stages of all of these prophets, you know, so I'm not sitting here talking. You can't tell me I'm wrong. I'm, I feel bad for all those people who went out there and said that. Because God's going to do this the way he said he's going to do it, and now you have to write another letter. When she was saying Tuesday night about the people who wrote the letter, I should have stayed in my lane. and My prophets created lanes. We are the omni-lane highway. There's no end to our lane because there's no end to human beings. So there's no end to our lane. It is my job to know what my God is doing. Now, maybe your God's doing something else. But my God wouldn't. I'm, I don't step out on a word that God didn't give, and I don't step out on a word that he didn't say, and I don't act like God has to work in my 24-7 window because he is God. But I do know that prophecy, like creation, is biotic. And uh, listen, things take their time to get through our system, to go and do what they need to do in our system, and God has systems. And when the reason you apologize is because you were a voice. You are an announcer, because had you been a prophet, God would have told you where the journey was going, how it was turning, the path that it would take, and the things that would have to unfold and be displaced for their word to come to pass. God bless you. Hey, share, 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 and share again. This is not going to be up there long. So share, 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 and share again, and sow seed, especially you prophets, because you all, don't you go and write another retraction. Don't do it. Satan is pushing us to do that because he's using the power and authority of your covenant with God, your prophet mantle, that auditory power that God has put on our mouths. He's using it to tear down what God is doing. He's using it to stop what God is making happen. Don't do it. If you're a real prophet, you just say, wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Lord. I've talked to you about Balaam. Maybe she'll find the Balaam thing, Balaam divination. It wasn't until the end of the whole process that Balaam realized he never heard from Almighty God. He was, he was actually fed by angels, God and others. He realized he had never had the vision of the Almighty. He realized he had never seen the Almighty. He had none of those things, and he didn't have, and it said he got that information without killing an animal. He didn't have to kill anything. He didn't have to shed any blood. All he had to do was go to sleep and woke up, and he said, thus says Balaam, whose eyes are open. He realized that even though he was a prophet, his eyes had not been opened. He was a divinatory prophet, and he couldn't tell you what the Almighty is doing. Remember, God sent an angel to correct him. And then after that, he was just listening to all the other gods. But when God decides to step up and say, okay, listen, you're not, gonna, you're not prophesying the death and what I'm doing. He stepped up. Balaam knew the difference. And these young ones haven't been in here long enough to know the difference. God bless you. See you Sunday. Don't forget, think differently, live powerfully. And I am powerful because I don't think like the prophets of the world. God bless you.